It is an honor and privilege to have this time to uh, stand before you to share in our time of worship this morning. Uh, my name is Edrin, uh, one of the pastors here at the sanctuary. Um, and I want to take a moment and just welcome again all of our first time guests. Thank you all so much for being uh, with us today. Uh, can we also just take a moment and uh, celebrate the fathers in the room? Can we? Happy Father's Day to all of the dads, the spiritual dads, the uncles and friends, uh, whatever role you play. Uh, we're so grateful for you today, and we hope you feel uh, celebrated. After service, if you haven't already, uh, we have candy on a stick for every guy. Um, go ahead and grab that, a Minnesota tradition of just putting random stuff on sticks. Um, <laughs> I don't know where you guys get that from, man. Just... Wasting all the sticks. Like we need those sticks. Uh, we also have a little photo booth set up out there with some, uh, some props for dads to take a few pictures, feel like a superhero. Uh, you all really are special in all of our lives. So be sure to stop and take a picture and post it this afternoon um, as you celebrate uh, Father's Day. We've been over the last several weeks in a series called Summer Jams. We've been looking at some popular songs um, some from secular music, some Christian music. Um, I, I'm going to try and squeeze a nursery rhyme in there somewhere. If anybody has a suggestion, shoot me an email. Um, I believe that music speaks to us in, in incredible ways. And I believe that even uh, an artist or a writer will write lyrics. There's a deeper meaning beneath what they intended to say. And sometimes uh, if we dig for that a little bit, I believe we'll even find God in, in the lyrics. And so we've been digging for a few weeks now. And I think this is message number three in this series. And we want to continue today on Father's Day uh, with this series of, uh, of summer jams. The song that you just heard and heard earlier in the worship is called Purpose Over Pleasure. It's written by a brother named Jonathan Trailer, And it's the story of a young man fighting uh, to live a life of purpose. And he talks about the temptations of being a young man. He talks about just uh, really pushing against the tricks of the enemy so that he can live a life of destiny. And the, the chorus of it says, purpose over pleasure. I don't got no time for no shenanigans. I just love saying shenanigans. That's an incredible word. Uh, I'm trying to make it into heaven. I don't got no time to be playing with sin. You can miss me with all that, boy. Like, I'm like, what? what? Who wouldn't love that song, you know? Sometimes I, I listen to that song early in the morning um, as I'm brushing my teeth and getting ready to get the girls to school. Um, or in the afternoon when that 3 o'clock slump hits and it's not quite time to go home, I'll turn that song on, close my office door, and move around a little bit just to get a little energy for the rest of the day. I, I would encourage you, if you haven't already heard the song, uh, to download it, check it out, look it up online. It's a really cool song, and it's going to be our sort of springboard into this message today, Purpose Over Pleasure. If you have Bibles, would you open them quickly with me to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, one verse today, verse number 51. Luke chapter 9, verse 51, and here's what it says. As the time approached for him, Jesus, to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, thank you that we have this moment to be together. Thank you that you've called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Thank you that you love us with an everlasting love. 
Father, on this day, this Father's Day, this day where we set aside to celebrate men and the various roles that they play in our lives and in the life of our church, we pray that you would allow me to communicate clearly your love for these brothers. I pray that every brother in this room will be encouraged to live a life of purpose today. And if there is shame or guilt for past wrongs in their life, I pray that you would heal them of that. You would release that pain right now for them. That every brother in this room might walk out of here, changed, transformed, more clear about what you've called them to be and do. We love you, Father. And we praise your name together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I once heard a story of a man who uh, traveled uh, from his home to Colorado for a business trip. He was a husband and a father. And on the last day of his trip there in Colorado, he woke up about 5.15 in the morning because he wanted to get out on the hiking trails and watch the sunrise over the Rocky Mountains. It had been a very busy season for him at work and at home, and he thought that getting out on the peaks would help him uh, to, to help to bring some clarity and some energy to his cloudy mind and his cloudy heart. But 30 minutes into the hike, this brother realized that something was terribly wrong. He found himself scrambling over rocks and fighting through the brush. This brother was lost. He had lost sight of the hiking trail, and he found himself, he found his his internal confusion growing. This brother had gone out on that trail that morning, hoping to regain his center. Instead, he found himself alone and lost and in a dangerous situation, wondering which way to turn. He had lost direction on his journey. And I want to say to the brothers in the room today that you and I might not be avid hikers, but we too are on a journey. And this life that we are living is nothing if not a journey. No matter who you are, brother, You are headed day by day somewhere, becoming more and more of something. The challenge is that many of us are moving, but have no idea where we're going. We're moving, we're hustling, we're grinding, we're putting forth a bunch of effort, plenty of energy, but without a sense of direction. And so too often for men, we find ourselves weary and frustrated and bored and on the verge of checking out and giving up because we're doing a whole lot of stuff and going nowhere. It's the proverbial hokey pokey. Put your right foot in, take your left right foot out, right foot in, shake it all about, and you do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around. That's not what life's all about. Or maybe you're a more sophisticated person, and it's the Casper slide when you look at your life. To the left now, y'all. Take it back now, y'all. One hop this time. Right foot, left stump. Left foot, left stump. Cha-cha now, y'all. Those activities and those dances are fun. But then you look up and you realize that I'm in the very same spot that I was in 30 minutes ago. You see, brothers, we are on a journey. And if your life feels like you're doing the spiritual hokey pokey or the financial hokey pokey or the relational cha-cha slide, I come today with some encouragement. God never intended for you to live your life stuck. God never intended for you to wander through life aimlessly. Instead, God has called each of us, every single man in this room, 
to a purposeful journey. My brothers, hear me again. We are on a journey. And the difference between a journey that leads to weariness and frustration and a journey that leads to joy and celebration is a simple word that we call purpose. Purpose makes all the difference. Purpose is direction for the journey we call life. Purpose is grace that illuminates the path that leads to blessing. Purpose is a vision that keeps us from simply being tossed back and forth by the winds of this life. Purpose is a gift, a gift that keeps us from wasting our lives. And in our text today, we see Jesus, the model for us, Living a purposeful journey. Luke's gospel provides us with a wonderful picture of Jesus' purposeful journey. You see, there were many pieces to Jesus' journey. There was his journey from earth, from heaven to earth, his journey from Bethlehem to Egypt, his journey into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan, and his many journeys around the ten city area known as the Decapolis as he ministered to the people. But our text today allows us to take a look at one particular part of the journey, the most important part of the journey, that final part where Jesus goes from Galilee to the place of his death in Jerusalem. Luke 9.51 is one single verse, but it packs a punch and it will bless us if we let it. Luke says that when the day for his being taken up into heaven approached, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Some translations said he set his face to Jerusalem. Jesus, Luke says, set his eyes on a purpose, a place where he was sent by the Father, and he refused to let anything divert him from that purpose. Everything in Jesus' life yielded itself to the purpose for which the Father had sent him. Brothers, Jesus was on a journey. It was a purpose-filled journey. And hear me when I say his journey serves as a model for the journey that you and I are called to today as well. Jesus chose purpose over pleasure. Jesus chose purpose over possessions. Jesus chose purpose over power. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad that Jesus came as a man of purpose. His eyes were fixed on the prize. And because Jesus was a man of purpose, you and I now have access to eternal life. Amen. I'm glad that Jesus was not a distracted Savior. Can you imagine if Jesus was a distracted Savior? Can you imagine what the Gospels would read like if Jesus was a distracted Savior? There's a moment in the Scriptures where Jesus and the disciples are traveling through a crowd. And a woman is there in the crowd who's been suffering with a blood disorder for many, many years. And she reaches out and she touches the hem of his garment. And Jesus stops in the middle of all those people and he says, somebody touched me. This woman makes her way to Jesus And she begins to open up and she pours out her heart about what she has been enduring for all these years. If Jesus, can can you imagine if Jesus was a distracted savior? And as this woman standing there pouring out her heart, Jesus walks away, loses track of what the woman is saying. And he's asking the disciples about the score of the NBA finals, the Nazareth Basketball Association finals. I'm so glad that Jesus was not a distracted savior. There's another story in the Gospels of Jesus one day teaching, and he looks up, and thousands of people have come to hear him speak. There are 5,000 men and women and children. And Jesus said, these people need to be fed. So he tells the disciples to feed them. They fuss a little bit because they think it would be too expensive. 
But someone says, there's a little boy here who has two fish and five loaves of bread. Thousands of people, two fish and five loaves of bread. Thousands of people, two fish and five loaves of bread. The stage is set for a miracle. But can you imagine if Jesus was a distracted Savior? The disciples begin to work and organize the people into groups because they know a miracle is coming. God's glory is about to be on display. But Jesus, because he's a distracted Savior, they find him somewhere sitting down eating the fish sandwiches. I'm so glad that Jesus is not a distracted Savior. It seems ridiculous for some of you to even consider what it might be like for Jesus to be a distracted Savior. Because we can't imagine Jesus being anything beyond purposeful and focused and fully committed to God's will, right? Brothers, hear me when I say this. If it doesn't make sense for Jesus to live a life without purpose, it doesn't make sense for any of us to live a life without purpose either. As the son of the most high God, you are called to live a life of purpose. And perhaps you're here today and you've never, no one has ever told you what your purpose is. Hear me today when I say this. As a son of the most high God, your fundamental purpose is to live as a disciple of Jesus and to reflect God's goodness in the earth. That's your fundamental purpose as a man. Wherever you go, Whatever you're doing, regardless of what your job is, your career, whomever you're with, whether it's your boys or your wife or your kids or your friends, your fundamental purpose is to be an ambassador for Christ. Everything in your life should be flowing out of that purpose. And as you seek to live out your purpose, the good news is that you gain clarity in your life that you never knew possible before. Your life might seem fuzzy and hazy right now. Brother, as you pursue the purpose that God has given you, your life will become more clear. Right now, it may seem that you're being pulled from one thing to another. Your wife may have forced you to be here today. But if you would pursue the things that God has called you to, your life would take on an entirely different meaning, and it would impact you and those around you. Your family will be different as you pursue a life of purpose. Your friendships will be different as you pursue a life of purpose. Your neighborhood, your city, our nation, our world will be different as brothers pursue the purposes that God has called us to. Here's what I know, brothers. All of us, every single one of us in this room is drawn through life by something, some motivation, some desire, some passion, some need, and some want. My encouragement today is that rather than being drawn by anything else, be drawn first and foremost by your God-given purpose. And so my gift to you today, before you brothers go home and cook your own barbecue for Father's Day, you know it's true. Mothers get everything on Mother's Day. So before we brothers go and fire up our grill to cook for ourselves on our day, I want to just offer three quick reminders, then we're going to go home. Three quick reminders for the purposeful journey. As you try to live a life of purpose, brothers, here are three reminders that I want to encourage you with today. The first reminder is simply this. Your purpose begins with God. Your purpose begins with God. 
Here's what I mean. Brothers, you've got to be what you were created to be. You've got to be what you were created to be. Dr. Tony Evans is one of my favorite pastors. I try to read everything that he writes, and I listen to at least one of his sermons each week. And he, he has a lot of illustrations about appliances. I don't know what his deal is with appliances, but he talks about appliances a lot. And there's one illustration that I think would, would suit us well for today. He says that all of us depend on appliances. That if I were to come into any of your houses, I can almost guarantee that I would see a few different appliances. There would be probably a refrigerator. There would be a stove, there would be a microwave, maybe even a toaster. Appliances are important and they're helpful because they serve us well when they're serving the purpose for which they were created. Somebody in some factory got together and created these appliances with a certain purpose in mind. But brothers, if I came to your house today and you were trying to freeze food with the microwave or boil water with the refrigerator or fry an egg with the toaster, I would look at you as if you were crazy. Why? Because you're wasting time and you're making a mess because you're ignoring the purpose for which those appliances were created in the first place. Brothers, do you see where I'm going with this? In the very same way, you and I were created with a purpose in mind. You or I, were, we were created in the hands of the God of all creation and God poured purpose into us And we waste our time, we waste our lives, and we cause a lot of harm when we ignore the purposes for which we were created. Brothers, I want to encourage you to invest the time, invest the resources, invest the energy it takes to discover God's purposes in your life. Don't don't go through life causing yourself pain and causing others pain because you have no purpose who you are, no, no idea who you are, and what you were created to do. So, as our text says, Jesus purposely, resolutely turned his face to the Father. There was no question in Jesus' mind why he was created, what he was sent to do. He, He knew without a shadow of a doubt that I have come to save the world, and everything in Jesus' life flowed from that purpose. Brothers, as you're trying to figure these things out, The first reminder for you today is very simply knowing that your purpose begins with God. Second reminder is that there will be no shortage of distractions along the way. As you're trying to live this purposeful journey, I've just told you that life will never be the same for you as you discover your God-given purposes. But what I didn't say, brothers, is that your life would be easy when you discover your purpose. Jesus was God with us, right? He was sent into the world to save the world. This was the purpose of all purposes. But even in the course of fulfilling his purpose, Jesus was met with great opposition and countless distractions. And a significant part of the opposition that Jesus faced was temptation. How do we know that Jesus was tempted? Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every way has been tempted as we are. Jesus was tempted in every way. He was tried in every way. Yes, brothers, he was even tempted in that way. And when he could have understandably given in to the distractions, Jesus chose purposely every day to place purpose over pleasure. Purpose 
over power, purpose over possessions. He was tempted in every way, but he did not sin. And brothers, here's the good news for us today, that the same power that was on Jesus, that same power is in us. And the same purpose that was on Jesus, you guessed it, that same purpose is on us too. So when life throws us distractions at you, brothers, remember, purpose should come over pleasure. Purpose should come over power, over possessions, over popularity, and even over well-meaning people. You remember the story. Jesus is preparing to wash the feet of his disciples, and he's modeling for them a new kind of, new kind of servanthood that would be so important in the kingdom of God. But Peter, that outspoken alpha male, he, he exclaims, Not me, Lord, you will never wash my feet. Peter didn't mean any harm. Peter thought he was actually being faithful. But in that moment, Peter had become a distraction from Jesus living out his purpose. If you spent time in Sunday school like me, you remember what Jesus said to Peter that day. Get behind me, Satan. Sounds harsh. Listen, brothers, there will be people in your life, well-meaning people, friends who simply do not understand the life of purpose that God has called you to. They will come to you with ideas and suggestions and a vision for your life that looks nothing like what God has called you to live. And a part of being a man of purpose is being able to gently but firmly say thanks but no thanks. That's not a part of what God has called me to. And so hear me again today, that a part of being a man of purpose is choosing purpose over pleasure, purpose over power, purpose over popularity, over possessions, and even over well-meaning people. Our purpose begins with God. There will be distractions along the way of the purposeful journey. And the third reminder as we prepare to go home is simply this. There is, there is glory at the end of the purposeful journey. There is glory at the end of the journey. Here's what I know without a doubt, that the church struggles to really know how to motivate men. As men, we're taught as little boys to, to do stuff, to bend stuff, to climb stuff, and then to jump off the thing that we just climbed. We're taught to break stuff and then try to fix it again for some reason. We're taught all these things as boys but then we become men and we come to church and we often don't hear anything that seems familiar to us. We give men in church a laundry list of don't do's. And we very rarely give men every, anything to aim for. Listen, I know that toxic masculinity is real. And I know that patriarchy is real and has real consequences. But I believe that and I know that the church has been guilty of perpetuating a lot of that. And so I'm not saying we should ever ignore any of that. But what I'm saying is that churches like Sanctuary have a real opportunity to reshape what it means for men to follow Jesus. And a part of that work will mean reclaiming something that we threw out in trying to fix patriarchy. And that is talking about victory and glory. Brothers, we're simple. If you didn't know that before, men are simple. We need something to aim for. We need to know that there's some sort of victory at the end of this thing if we live faithfully. And, and there, there is a classic Christian doctrine that says if we live faithfully, there is glory at the end of the journey. H have you ever wondered why 
the same guy who seems so disinterested in church, you know the guy I'm talking about. You may be sitting next to him. If you're not, you may be that guy. His wife and kids come into church, and they're excited. They want to get here for praise and worship. They come early, which, according to sanctuary time, is five minutes after service starts. <laughs> they're walking in all excited, and Dad's walking behind them, head down. He doesn't really want to be here. He sits in the audience on Sunday, maybe sits next to you sometime. You don't really know if he's awake or asleep. Can't really tell. The only time you hear something verbally come out of his mouth is when he says amen at the benediction. And then he's out the door. He's like, I don't want your, your cup of snacks. I don't want your watermelon, your water. I'm out of here. He's ready to go with the rest of it. You know that guy? How is it that that very same guy will go home put on a jersey with another man's name on the back, stand in front of the TV and shout and scream and jump and work up a sweat. How, how is that the same person? I have, I have a, a, an explanation. And a part of it is that brothers need to be reminded that there's something at stake, that there's something worth fighting for, that there's something to win at the end of the journey. When that brother's sitting at home looking at that TV, standing in front of that TV, and he sees that game, he knows that there at least is something tangible at stake in that game. He loves seeing those players working together, fighting for something. He looks at that game and he says, even though I'm living vicariously through a 19-year-old who's making more money than I will ever make, I can feel a real sensation when that team wins. And then that brother looks at the church. And the best that we can offer him is a quiet time. I love quiet times, but that's not the totality of the Christian journey. And the average brother who is trying to find out what it means to live a life of faith is not going to be consumed with quiet times. So church, I'm challenging us in this new season to do a better job of challenging men to step into the game of faith. Here's what I know. One of, since we're talking about sports a little bit, one of my favorite memories from sports is 2008 NBA Finals. Kevin Garnett, the native of South Carolina, the basketball mecca. He had been here in the Twin Cities. You, you guys need to pray. You need to pray. That's God's word somewhere. It's, it's in there. Kevin Garnett had been here in the Twin Cities and had taking our team from obscurity into a contender, but they could never win the championship. He moves to Boston, and in his first year there, 2008, they win the NBA Finals. And KG's played an incredible game. He's probably going to be the MVP or something. A reporter sticks a mic in his face and asks him a question. I don't even know what the question was, but he responded in a way that totally ignored the question. But it gives me a vision. His response gives me a vision for what it might look like if men were actually able to be passionate about their worship, about their faith, about their life of purpose. Can, can we just show that clip really quickly? Kevin Garnett, let's, let me ask him a question. I don't even remember what she said just now. <laughs> and he screams, anything's possible! Cool backstory. Kevin Garnett was sponsored by Adidas, and one of their taglines is, impossible is nothing. He had been paid millions to say that. <laughs> but in the moment, he got excited and said, anything's possible. 
<laughs> he had the millions by then, so it, that moment was even sweeter. Listen, brothers, many of us will look at that and be a little jealous. Like, that is the pinnacle. Like, this guy, has, he's on top of the world. He's won the world championships. He, when, when he got excited and started screaming out and spit coming out of his mouth, did you see the people around him react? They got excited. That his excitement spread into others. And, and many of us as men have been conditioned to think that the height of, of winning, of joy for us in this life is putting a ball in a hoop or a little ball in a hole. And I love sports. But brothers, the, the scriptures are clear that there is a far greater glory for us in Christ Jesus. There is more for us, there is a, a higher high, there is a, a sweet victory that God has called us to, a purpose that God has placed in all of us, and the world is waiting for brothers to wake up and pursue their purpose. So my brother, listen, admire KG, but don't idolize that, because God has called us to something far greater. There is a sweet, sweet victory waiting for us. There is a crown waiting for us. There is glory waiting for us at the end of the purposeful journey. Maybe you're a little out of shape. You're not in your playing weight anymore. The good news is the race is not given to the swift nor the strong, but to the one who endures to the end. And so my brothers... On this Father's Day, as you prepare to go home and cook for yourselves, Jesus is calling. <laughs> Will you answer? Jesus is calling you. Will you answer? Your purpose, your God-given purpose is calling. Will you answer? My prayer for us today as a church is that every brother in this room will say yes and yes again to the high calling of pursuing the purpose God has given us. I want to invite the worship team, the band to come up. And I want, to, I want to pray for all the brothers in the room as we prepare to leave. In fact, I want to ask the brothers if you would just stand where you are. All the brothers across the room, young brothers, old brothers, in-between brothers. Just stand where you are. One of the things I love about Sanctuary is that there are already a ton of brothers in this church who love Jesus who are vocal about it, who pursue Jesus every single day. And so for some of you, this is a review. Like this is not new stuff. This is just an encouragement to keep going. Keep going. But there are some other brothers in this room. You never heard until today that there is a purpose that God has for your life. Brother, I want to encourage you to step forward in faith to grow in courage and in understanding of who God is. And don't be passive about your faith. Actually take a hold of the faith, the call that God has placed in your life, brother. This church, your family, this community needs men who love Jesus and will follow after Jesus. And the truth is, our sisters have been holding it down. They have been doing their thing. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to imagine where sanctuary would be if it were not for the sisters in this church. Brothers, we've got to get in the game now. We've got to be consistent. We've got to show up. We've got to serve. We've got to lead. 
We've got to be the men God has called us to be. So I want to pray. One thing that I want to pray is that the older men of our church will say yes to the call to be spiritual fathers to the younger men of our church. We need to be able to look at older men and see folks who have been on this journey for longer than we have. And when we stumble, and we will stumble, it's as if in some strange language, man equals stumble. We, we are pretty good at stumbling. And so all of us will at some point struggle and stumble. And I want to see our church become a place where older men are able to walk alongside younger men and encourage them when they stumble and restore them into right relationship. And I pray for you younger men, you would not be so prideful to think you don't need somebody to speak into your life. And if you're here today and say, I don't know any older men, that's the point of what I'm saying. Get to know some older men in our church. And then finally, sisters, I pray, and I've been praying all week, that as I speak to our brothers, you would not be threatened by this message. Our world tells us that if we encourage men, it means we're putting women down. But I believe God is far greater than that. And I believe that no one will benefit as much as you do from these men stepping forward and being who God has called them to be, sisters. Because here's what I know. I was raised by a woman and I saw on many occasions my mother shedding tears because of the brokenness that my father refused to address in his life. So sisters, I want to invite you today to be praying alongside me for the men of this church. There is an enemy who wants to destroy these brothers who are standing right now. Who tosses all sorts of distractions at them and wants to tear them down. Sisters, would you be praying for these brothers every day? Pray for the men of this church. That we might be who God has called us to be. Then I want to pray for the young men. Like this young man right here. (laughs) When I was a young boy, some older men in my church, they just took an interest in me. And they got to know my name. And they encouraged me. Can we do the same for the young men in our church? Can we give them a picture, a portrait of what a a man growing in faith looks like? Can we break some generational curses in our church? Father, 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 we love you. And oh God, we pray for every brother who's standing in this room right now. God, we ask that you would bless, that you would give each of them clarity of sight like they've never had before. That they would know there is something worth fighting for. That you've called them to live lives of significance and purpose. 
God, I pray for the brother in this room who's never had anyone depend on him for anything before. Who's felt as if it didn't matter if he got it right or not. I pray that that brother would leave this place today knowing that there is something at stake for him. God, I, I pray for the older men of our church that they would step forward as spiritual fathers, as shepherds, as guides for younger men. God, I pray that our sisters would know that we're not asking them to walk six steps behind us. This is not that kind of message. This is not that kind of church. That we're calling men into partnership with them so that our church might be who God has called us to be. God, I pray for every brother who has been trying, but it seems as if the enemy has just had control of his life. God, I pray freedom over this, these brothers today. I pray safety and protection over these brothers today. I pray that you would lift up and raise up gifts and talents in these brothers today. I pray for their courage. I pray for their prayer life. I pray for their vision that they might catch a glimpse of what you've called them to be. God, I pray for this community so many men are walking around living lives that are beneath what you've called them to be. God, break the chains. And use sanctuary to help you do it. Break the chains. And use this church as your vessel. Break the chains in North Minneapolis. Father, we love you. We're so grateful that you first loved us. Hear our prayer today, oh Father. And bless us as only you can. Pray these things in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen.